It's dismissed. Michelle's actually heading with the kids. I have nobody to close service anymore when she goes, oh, Beanie. Madison did it last week. Well, open your Bibles, if you would, with me to 1 Samuel um, 13. 1 Samuel 13. So we spent the summer. How many of you think summer went pretty quick? Summer seemed like it flew by. We did summer with the prophet. So we're back here in the fall. Uh, I guess on a 100-degree day, is it really fall? We, we hit the fall. We're back into our year of calling it focused, but looking at people in the Old Testament. You know what I thought was funny? When we look at the Old Testament, we go to Hebrews chapter 11. It's the hall of faith. And when we look today at David, it's funny. In Hebrews 11, all it says of David, it says also of David. Of all of the things that he did in the Psalms and taking down Goliath, uh, and also David, but I think that's important because of what we're going to see in his life. He's not the showman. He's not elevating himself. And so with these three words, and also David, we know that God uh, lifted him up at the right opportune time. But also, if you would forgive me a little bit today, um, my daughter called Friday night late. We were coming back from Mavericks game. And uh, she said, Dad, the dog ate your Bible. And I said, what? What do you mean ate my Bible? It shredded all downstairs. And so a way to get home, I mean, shredded is like the least, I mean, it was like, I don't know if for every word of God tastes good to the dog or something. So I was thinking, you know, I've got, I had another Bible to throw it in here, but flipping around back to pages, Michelle wanted actually to bring the dog today to send it home with somebody. Uh, but it wasn't her Bible, so I figured she'll keep it uh, for another week. But, uh, you know, kids that use that excuse, my dog ate my homework. Well, my dog ate my Bible. Uh, that's, that's the truth. Well, I want to read a couple of verses here. Psalm 78, verse 70 through 72. Psalm 78, verse 70 through 72. And listen to what the Bible says. He, this is talking about God, also chose David his servant. And took him from the sheepfolds. Where was he? In the sheepfolds. We don't read palace, do we? No, he's in the sheepfolds. From following the ewes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So it says David's in the sheepfold. He's following around the pregnant lambs, right? They drop one out, and that's what he's doing. He's helping, helping them out. He wasn't in the palace. He wasn't elevated. He's working for his father to make sure that the lambs are taken care of. But he shepherded the people of Israel according to the integrity of his heart and guiding them with the skillfulness of his hand. Notice what is pointed out in the scripture first for us, the integrity of the heart. That's what we're going to see about David. David is chosen not based on his skills. He's chosen based on his heart. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not seek as man sees. 
For man, say it with me, looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The outward appearance for the children of Israel would have been a king. They would have said, I wonder how good he looks on a horseback leading our military into battle. That's what they would have looked for. God is not looking on the outward appearance. He's looking at the heart. We, society, our society today, everything is about what? Appearance. There's people that live and make an exorbitant living based on their image, what they wear, what they do, where they go eat. But nothing has to do with the, the heart. What God sees and what God promotes starts in the heart. You know, I know I've told this story a couple times, but we had uh, we'd had a memorial here a couple years ago. In comes my teacher from high school. He was also the basketball coach. And we began to talk afterwards. And all of a sudden, in talking to him, I started to get a little upset because I remembered he cut me from the basketball team. And it wasn't just that he cut me from the basketball team. This is ninth grade. They put up the list, full sheet of paper. They stuck it on the window of the cafeteria snack room seating area. They listed every boy except there was a line and it had the word cut. And the only one that was cut and named on the sheet was me. Every day, going in there, in and out, in and out, seeing my name cut, cut, cut. I almost took it down. It was up all week long. So he comes in church. So I still got a little beef with him, 30-some years. So we were talking about it. We were laughing about it. And then um, probably a good year and a half ago, he shows back up. We were working on the basketball court. And we've got a few guys from our church helping out. He pulls up. They'll probably remember this. And we started talking, and I introduced them, and I said, this is the gentleman I talk about in church that cut me from the basketball team. All you need to say, you don't need to say anything else, right? He doesn't need to say what he said. You know, he says, let me tell you why I cut him. So he starts telling him. He says, I was afraid if I put this guy in the game that we'd lose. He was slow. He, really, he just went, I'm, I'm just thinking, this is the second time I've seen you. And we're getting ready to pour concrete. We might put you, you know, underground there and dedicate this to you. Have you ever gone through that in life? Maybe they didn't stick your name, but you got cut somehow. Right? And it, boy, what does it do? It makes you feel. Well, David, when we begin to look at this story, David's kind of like that because he's the last born. He's out with the sheep. In fact, we're going to see him in a minute. But here's what God looks at. He looks at the heart, the heart of the person. So I want to jump back just a little bit here to remind us God judges by the character of our heart, not by the appearance of our body. Everybody say amen. Every good looking person say amen. Amen. Oh, I said that out loud. Uh, but in 1 Samuel chapter 8, I'm going to read a couple of these verses, verse 5 and verse 9. The people of Israel decide they want to choose a king. They don't want God to lead them through the prophet. They want to choose a king because they want to be like every other nation. Let me read this verse. 1 Samuel 8, verse 5 and 9. And he said to them, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. This is the people, the elders of that day. 
Now make for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Now therefore heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them what the behavior of a king who will reign over them. So before we read that other verse, one of the things God is letting Samuel know, tell the people this. They want a king, I'll give them a king, but he's going to take their kids, he's going to take their land, he's going to tax them, he's going to take their vineyards, he's going to build an army. And yeah, you'll be like every other nation, but that's not how I want to do it. But here's what God said, let him have them, let him choose them. In fact, we read this in 1 Samuel 8, verse 19 through 20. It says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we may also be like all of the nations, that our kings may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. We want somebody else to do it. That wasn't God's heart. So the guy that's chosen in the Bible, we won't look at him, his name is Saul. In fact, here's what the Bible says, and I think it's interesting when Saul is chosen. Saul is head and shoulders taller than anybody else in the nation of Israel. Let me tell you, this guy stands out. So Saul is chosen, Samuel anoints him, but here's what we find out. At his inauguration, he's a no-show. They can't find him. You know what he's doing? He's hiding. Wait, wait, wait. This is your inauguration. This is your big day. This is your parade, right? You're hiding. In fact, if you read your Bibles, God told somebody where to go look for him. He's hiding behind some equipment. That's their king. Head and shoulders, good looking, strong. He can ride that, right? He can ride that stallion in the battle. He's the one. He's hiding. Now, I'll say this, David's hiding, but he's not hiding on his own account because he's afraid, but he's hidden. But we won't take time, but we'll, we'll look at just a couple things. In Saul's second year, second year, he won't wait for Samuel to come and offer the sacrifice. He decides he's going to be high priest and he's going to be prophet and he's going to do it on his own. Year two, God already says, you know what, I'm making a change. This guy's doing his own thing. He's choosing to go his own direction. It's not my direction, and God makes a change. I will choose for myself a king. In fact, one of the things that we read, uh, in fact, I will read this. Let me read Deuteronomy chapter uh, 17, verse 18 through 20. We've read this before. Early on, before there was ever a king, God had Moses write this in the law so that the law that the people had and the kings of the future would have, they would see this is what the Lord requires of you if you lead Israel. Listen to what it says. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him, he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to what? Fear the Lord his God, and be careful to observe all of the words of this law and these statutes. Now here's why. That his heart may not be lifted above the brethren, 
that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, that he may prolong his days in the kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Notice that what God wanted to make sure the word of God would do, his heart wouldn't change. Every king would have heard that last part that says he would prolong the days of his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Every king's going to want to prolong the kingdom. They're going to want to pass it on to the kids. He was to write out those laws, keep it with him, read it, read it, read it. So when the situation like this comes up, he's not going to move. He's going to wait for Samuel regardless of his. He's late. But what Saul does, he goes ahead and thinks he's high priest and prophet. And right there, God begins to make the change. So who God chooses now is a shepherd boy that's probably 15 or 16 years old. He's following around the sheep. He's helping deliver the sheep, feed the sheep. Smells like what? The sheep. You ever gone horseback riding before? When you get off, does the horse smell like you or do you smell like the horse? Right? Boy, you wonder, man, what smells? Right? You smell like the horse. Right? Stinky job. Shepherds in Bible times were not looked well upon. Remember uh, the ones... When Jesus were born, they were awake. Well, you're having to be awake. It's a dangerous job. You're out in the wilderness. You're taking care of the lambs. And I want to jump ahead to look at some of the character of David that we read about. Because Israel's already made a mistake in choosing the first king. Here's what God wants to do. God is now going to choose based on heart. So let me turn to uh, 1 Samuel 17. Let me quickly find it in my new Bible that has not been chewed by a dog that I will keep uh, away. 1 Samuel 17. And I want to read uh, in verse 20. I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 17, verse 33 through 37. 1 Samuel 17, verse 33 through 37. So David's already at the battle, and here's what we pick up in the story. And Saul said to David... You are not able to go up against this Philistine to fight him. Because David's heard what's going on. And he's looked a little bit at Goliath. You're not able to go up and fight with him. For you are a youth. And he's a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it. I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Verse 37. Moreover, David said, The paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear... He will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. What does Saul say? And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Okay, now let me, let me ask you a question. There's a lion that jumps into your backyard and grabs one of your dogs. What are you going to do? Right? You stay indoor. I'm going to call 911. I'm going to get out and get a lion. 
Are you going to ch physically chase it down and when it turns on you, grab it by the beard and hit it? What about these bear? You know, we see these bear sightings that happen all the time in Arcadia and Monrovia and they're swimming in pools. You're going to get in and swim with them? Oh, those little guys look so cute. I just want to pet them with the mama bear. You going to do that? No, you're not going to do that. What are you going to do? You're going to stay way away as you're going to find somewhere to hide. Let them swim. Hey, you can have the pool the whole afternoon. Have a pool party tonight, right? I'll turn on the lights. You just stay where you are. I'm not going to touch them. Here's a 16-year-old, right? But they take a lamb. You're going, oh, I just have to tell Dad we lost a lamb, right? No, he goes after him. In fact, we know this a little bit in the Bible. He's skillful. He's learned some things. Mavericks football game Friday night, they played a school that they probably should have never played. Had double the kids on the team. And this one kid, he was number 79, he comes out, I'm telling you, he had to be 6'6", 300 pounds. He was huge. He comes up to Mavericks' entire line, and he's taunting them. So you know what we do as parents up there? We're like, yeah, you know, put me in. I'll take, you know, take this guy out. Some of those kids, I bet some of those kids wet their pants. There's some of those kids were like, this guy's, you know, this guy's a giant. I remember asking, were you scared? No, I, he said, I just run around him. I said, well, I saw you talking, you know, in the game. Was he yelling at you? You know, no, I kept telling him, why are you still in the game? We're losing, right? Got this big old dude. Why is it when we see big obstacles, we back off? When there's big challenges, we want to back off. When the little kitty cat comes over and wants to steal something out, we can handle that. But when big obstacles come, we want to run. We don't want that challenge. In fact, David knows this. David's been tested. He's never faced a giant. But he figures, man, if I fought a lion and I fought a bear. Do you ever notice if you have a dog, do you know how strong they are? You ever tried to get them to go to the vet? They turn superhuman. It's like they know that it's tortured and they turn like super human you need like six people to take them down and to tie them up and like their animals are strong but you know what David was not concerned so that's that's what we read about David so let's back up just a little bit so what we read about David in fact he's the youngest of Jesse's eight sons he's out in the fields doing what he does tending the sheep but the prophet Samuel has come to this household because God has said, Samuel, from these boys, you're going to anoint a new king. But David's the one he's left out. You know what I love about this story is God picks the next shepherd of Israel who's out in the sheep pasture. He's not at the head table. He's out doing what we read about him in the Bible. In fact, what we'll read later, uh, if you look later in the Psalms, You'll pull out things that David wrote from those opportunities and times where we think he's by himself. You know, when you have opportunities that you're hidden by yourself, David took advantage of that. He was worshiping God. He was playing instruments. He was guarding his father's sheep. He obviously wasn't complaining that all the other brothers were in the house. So I want to pick up this a little bit in 1 Samuel 16. I want to read just a few verses for us. Many of you have read these before. But it's important always to get a picture of what David went through. Let's look at 1 Samuel 16, verse 5. And it says this. Saul is coming to the household of Jesse. He says, Peaceably I came to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. 
and come to me, come to me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came out that he looked at Eliab and said, this is the oldest brother, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. Why? Oh, he's tall, good looking guy, right? This is the one, verse seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, and the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord shown this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. Notice what it says. Oh, there he is. So I'm picturing, I wonder if David's got his back turned or if David sees something's going on in the household, but he's out. He's not going to leave the sheep until instructed. He's going to protect them. He's going to keep an eye because his dad's told him to be out there. There he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he, he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes, good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brother and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Years ago, I, in fact, I was trying to look up even my notes and I, I don't have any more. I did a sermon years ago called Carry the Cheese. And it was based on David's life. Because David, from this instant, from the prophet, is anointed king of Israel. And here's what we read. It's not just the oil that goes on him, the spirit of the Lord is on him. The next thing we'll read in our Bibles is we read that Saul needs somebody to come and play worship for him because there's a distressing spirit on Saul. David's the one that gets called and David will play worship and that spirit will leave. In fact, you can read in your Bibles that it's so strong on Saul that David's playing and a sword or a, a javelin gets thrown at him. Can you imagine being the worship leader and people are throwing things at you, right? Shooting arrows at you, throwing spears at you, and you just keep playing, duck, and you come back up. Is that crazy? But the spirit leaves. Later, David is asked to go check on his brothers. Okay, this is the anointed king. He, and his dad says, take this bread, take this food, take this cheese, and go check on your brothers and bring back word to me. You would think that your dad would operate just a little bit different, right? So here's David. What's he doing? He's going to do what his dad says. I'm going to go and I'm going to check on my brothers. And the first thing the brothers start calling him out because, you know, you're just nosy. You just want to come up here where the big bad dudes are. You think you're so bad, don't you? Little David, ruddy guy, just because you got the oil on you. You smell. You smell like sheep. 
No, he's picking on him. He's delivering the cheese, but he, at that moment is the opportunity where his dad did not know that David would now be placed in an opportunity that though he had been hidden, now all will see that God is active and on this young man's life because now he's going to take this opportunity that when Goliath gets up in there and everybody's afraid of Goliath, David's not afraid. But let me tell you this. David just didn't develop this on the way with the cheese. David developed this heart and attitude when nobody knew what he was doing. When the prophet of the time comes to dinner to sacrifice, you're forgotten about. And it's those hidden things that we see that shape David. You know, and I think of this, and I, I wrote down, God is the great doorkeeper. Because when God's ready to promote you, he can send you carrying the cheese too. At the right place, at the right opportune time, that he can open a door if you're be bold. But what became a problem with Saul, see, Saul never transformed. He never followed what Deuteronomy said. Read this every day. Keep your heart in check. I want, I want you to lead this kingdom, and I want it to be through your kids. He's got a great son, Jonathan, right? Jonathan's another warrior. Jonathan will be David's best friend. But Jonathan's not the one that's going to carry this. God is going to choose for himself based on the heart. You know, and David wasn't campaigning. He's not sticking signs in people's yards. He's not knocking on doors. He's not doing all those things to campaign. He's doing what he's told to do. And at that right moment, God is the one that opens the door. In fact, and I, and I thought about this, it's better to fear God than to fear the guy that's nine feet tall. Fear God. Those times when maybe you don't feel like you got promoted like you should, that's the hidden times. What are we to do? Get back in God's word. I get back in his truth. What's he saying? I'm building myself back up because there is going to be opportunity, opportune time. We won't take time to look at it, but in Matthew 6, Jesus begins to talk, and he talks about basically how God rewards the things that we do in secret. He'll do it openly. He talks about fasting. When you're fasting, don't come in like, oh, man, I've been I haven't eaten in like six days because I've been praying and fasting. Don't do that. Clean yourself up, right? Anoint yourself. Don't let anybody know. When you pray, don't go on the corner, right, and shout it out. You know, God, to get promoted. Don't do that. Do those things in secret. In fact, Jesus says, go in your room. When you go in, shut the door, lock the door. Go in the closet, lock the door, pray. And when you do it in secret, God will reward you openly. That's what Jesus said, right? Jesus came in under the radar, didn't he? What an opportunity that he could have come in in a different way that he came in. There was no fanfare, but the shepherds came because they were the ones that were alert. But Jesus was all about the heart. He knew he could fix humanity if he could just get a hold of their what? Their hearts. So, Father, we come today when we focus in on your word and we look at David, who 
has hidden lessons. Skillful musician, protected the sheep. Yet his heart throughout all of his life, even through the high of highs and the low of lows, his heart always came back and he would be known as the man after God's own heart. Father, would it, would it be said and let it be said of us as your believers, as your children, that our hearts are in line with your heart. That when opportunity comes and we want to go a different direction or say something, that we come back to understand your heart on the matter. That we have peace. That when there are opportunities that might look like nine-foot giants, challenges, obstacles, that we not be run by fear, but we would know what your word says, and we would be caught up by your truth today. Lord, I, I pray for all of us today, whatever obstacles we're facing, whatever challenges are out there, we remember this, we're not alone. We're never alone. You're always with us. You are leading and guiding. But Father, I pray that we hunger and thirst for your righteousness, that we open up your word, that we capture your heart and we trust in you. You are the great door opener. We bless you today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.